Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone on the screen porch here in New Jersey. It was only 22 degrees today and I was still doing fall cleanups for clients here in this late November time of year. It seems much colder to me because, you know, I just came back from Virginia and Tennessee, so I got a little soft maybe. Or maybe it's because I didn't dress warmly enough, bringing in the potted gardens filled with perennials. I hope their little tootsies haven't frozen. Poor things. I should have brought them in before we left. Bringing me to today's story about overwintering potted gardens. But before that, I'd like to thank those who reached back after last week's chat about giving thanks for the gifts of nature, including deep freezes, which helps those of us that suffer from seasonal allergies. And the snow squalls that passed by yesterday is hopefully a taste of things to come. You know how much I love snow. So the story we'll visit today is when I used to have garden ghosts, which I don't often have anymore. I hope I piques your interest, and it starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. With the recent below-freezing temperatures, my garden ghost routine of covering pots with sheets to keep them from freezing has begun. This was in late October, by the way. Admittedly, it's silly as acceptance that the growing season is over, will eventually set in about when I grow weary of the ritual or when the ghosts are more in view than the plants left in hiding. Potted gardens have become more than annuals. Many include perennials and small shrubs to kick them up a notch. Mary Hug-a-Tree feels guilty for letting plants that can return each year die in their pots, but I suppose letting them go is okay. Our annuals are perennials in warmer zones, So what are we supposed to do? Save the world? Sound convincing? I'm not buying it. And neither is Ron from Bangor, Pennsylvania, who asked how to overwinter his pots. I bet Ron has garden ghosts, too. (laughs) Concrete, glazed, or terracotta pots with or without plants will crack if left out in the winter. Except for those fancy-schmancy ones, I should add costly ones, made to withstand old man winter. Generally, fiberglass, polyethylene, and structural foam pots can remain outside. While these pots are insulating, even plants suitable in our zone will suffer from the freezing and thawing of roots if unprotected. Some say that two zones hardier, Zone 3, plants, and Zone 5, for instance, may overwinter just fine. Still, plants can quickly die if water accumulates and freezes, so be sure the insulated pots drain well. You can plant the pots themselves, if freeze-tolerant, in a holding spot dug in the soil to the top of the pot until the following spring, or gather them against the north or east side of your home and cover them with a foot of shredded leaves or straw. Containers moved into an unheated building, such as a garage or shed where temperatures remain slightly above freezing, are ideal, especially for the breakable terracotta. There's a picture of my dear Ellie, my golden retriever that preceded Jolie, looking over the pots overwintering in the garage. I'll put a link in the show notes to the column. 
Regardless of your technique, roots must never dry out, so keep plants moist until the first hard freeze and check the soil whenever the temperatures rise above 40 degrees. Lastly, allowing your plants to go dormant is essential before putting them to rest. So maybe my garden ghosts aren't so silly after all. Boo! <laughs> Again, this was in late October. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com I have to say, each year the pots come into the garage to overwinter, causing a bit of stress for Kurt as it impedes access between the garage bays. And so, he likely wishes the story of filling naked pots late in the season never came to be. And I think we have some time. I'm going to share that story. Six summers ago, the pots between the garage doors remained vacant since a yellow jacket dilemma. Due to the proximity of the nest and the risk of anaphylactic shock to loved ones, a non-organic approach was sadly called for. If the yellow jacket nest was not in the tenuous spot, I'd have let it be, as they only nest in one place once and will not return the next year. There's a more earth-friendly spray that contains prethrin, extracted from prethrum daisy, that will not harm established plants, but you must apply it every 48 hours due to its efficacy time frame. The longer-lasting artificial chemicals called prethroids works for up to three weeks. By the way, you won't see the word prethroid on the labels, which is confusing, or maybe it's intentional, but the prethroid ingredients listed often end in thrin. While the chemicals will kill the wasp's nests quickly, they also harm plants. And of course, there's a concern for our environment. Many countries, by the way, have banned the prethroid use as pesticides. Because of the chemicals, I dumped the soil and nest remains far from the compost and garden and filled the pots with new soil. I missed out on the annuals I used to plant, but perennials are a perfect solution for container gardens that return their favor year to year, providing a happy ending to naked late-season pots. And I had fun perusing a favorite wholesale nursery. Barely am I able to shop for my gardens during peak season. I found many penny. Moped Hydrangea. I was looking for her to serve as the anchor place in the collection of pots. However, she was blooming pink rather than blue due to the alkaline soil versus acidic it was rooted in. And as my dear sister can attest, I am not a fan of pink. You see, my sister's seniority offered her the right to choose the color of her bedroom, which was Pink Panther Pink. Not the real name, but certainly a descriptive that haunted our walls growing up. It seems to me the warm and earthy green I campaigned for would have been more soothing, not leaving a residual dislike. Who doesn't like green? It's the primary color of our dear earth, after all. When the three to four foot tall rebloomer is planted in my acidic soil, she'll become a beautiful baby blue. Or I could add holly tone, pro-holly, or lime pellets to the potting mix. But I couldn't fathom waiting for the shift. Some childhood aversions last forever. Instead, I choose a perennial option as the anchor plant, grabbing three brunette snake root, Simba simplex, with dark purple foliage. They'll grow four feet tall with bottle brush white flowers with a tinge of pink in early fall. Yes, sis, a hint of pink is okay. One must remain flexible. To complement the snake root, I stumbled upon sugar and spice foam flower, Tyrella, sugar and spice, with her bright green, deeply lobed leaves and dark burgundy centers, 
She, too, formed spikes of pinkish-white flowers in spring above her foot-tall foliage. I couldn't help but try the shiny heart-shaped leaves of Bezia, Bezia deltaphyla, from the Dan Hinckley collection. Dan Hinckley is a legendary American plantsman known for collecting and propagating unusual plants. And while Bezia is best in zones 6 to 8, which pushes the envelope here, when it's time to transplant from the potted gardens to the garden beds, I'll opt for a microclimate protected by winter winds for this spreading, semi-green woodland plant that grows 18 to 24 inches tall. Then Alexander Great Siberian Bugloss, Brunera microphylla, called my name. He's a larger version of the more well-known Brunera Jack Frost with silvery, dark-veined, heart-shaped leaves and sky-blue clusters of flowers that come spring above the 18-inch tall foliage. I plan to divide the Hakanakloa areola, Japanese forest grass spreading nicely in the rock garden, to add a wispy edge along the garden pots. But instead, I opted to adopt pots of all gold, a variety with bright gold and yellow foliage, and it's so fun because they grew into like the bangs on my much-adored Mother Earth face pot gifted to me by dear clients. All these selections will contrast nicely with the big-leafed blue hosta donated by a client, plus the new plants have good deer resistance and will spread over time when I move them into the woodland garden in the fall. A happy ending to my naked garden pots begging for attention. Yes, indeed, but the punchline is that I've never moved them into my gardens. Well, I think actually a few of them I have, but um, by and large, I've been moving these pots in and out of the garage year after year for the last six years. So talk about a happy ending that's recurring year after year. Well, maybe not for Kurt, because it does take up space in the garage, but it's always such a delight to see the reemergence of the plants in those pots in the garage each early spring. And I look forward to bringing them out each year. But I do have to admit the uh, brunette snake root, which is the simicifuga with the dark purple foliage that is the hair of my Mother Earth pot, has not bloomed the last few years. So it's probably root bound and time to free them from the pot and place them in my woodland garden, which would be a happy new beginning to look forward to come spring. But for now, if you don't mind, let's enjoy the winter rest from gardening as we dream about the new season of growth ahead. It is something to look forward to indeed. So thanks for coming by. I always enjoy our time together, and I hope you have as well. And if so, please share the podcast with a friend or two. It's such a joy to watch our community grow, and the more of us that learn and grow together can make a big difference in the world around us and with each other. Thanks again. See you next time on the screen porch. Hopefully it'll be a little warmer. (laughs) But snow, please bring on the snow. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.